We shall proceed no further in this business. Was the hope drunk wherein you dressed yourself? Has it slept since? And wakes it now to look so green and pale at what it did so freely? Privy peace! I dare do all that become a man. Who dares do more is none. What beast was it then that made you break in this enterprise to me? When you dost do it, then you were a man. If we should fail... We fail! But screw your courage to the sticking place, and will not fail. Macbeth. Hello and welcome to The Scottish Film, a podcast that is not about Scottish films. I'm Paul Salt. And I'm Katie Maiden. We are endeavouring to review as many adaptations of Macbeth as we can find, and this week we are discussing the Hallmark Hall of Fame 1954 staging starring Maurice Evans and Judith Anderson. We will proceed no further in this business. Was the hope drunk within you dressed yourself? Hath it slept since, and wakes it now to look so green and pale at what it did so freely? With his peace, I dare do all that may become a man. Who dares do more is none. What beast was it then that made you break this enterprise to me? When you durst do it, then you were a man. If we fail, we fail. But screw your courage to the sticking place, and we'll not fail. And what a film it was, Paul. What a cinematic event for television. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Video Yesteryear presents this broadcast live and originally in colour, um, although only black and white versions have survived. Um, wow, I didn't realise that it was in colour originally. Yeah, in glorious technicolour, right in your living room. Right there, except right there. there was an interval. <laughs> yeah, there was an interval and a real change. Yeah. <laughs> we ran out of film. Sorry, Macbeth, you're going to have to hold off on killing everyone you know. Um, the play was directed by George Schaefer. Almost inconsequential, but there it is. So. There it is. <laughs> first into our first segment, his hour upon the stage. How was the film? It was really funny. Like, in parts, <laughs> it was really funny. And right. some of it was very, like, straight up Macbeth. Very um, straight. It was a very straight adaptation. Yeah. Um, mm. And there was even a bit where, like, they had, like, a little bit of a over voice that was like, this is what's just happened. Yes. Several months have passed, and Macbeth, having murdered King Duncan, has now himself succeeded to the throne. Which was strange. A very small bit. Basically, they skip over the old man whose job it is is to, you know, there's always a, what do they call him in Henry V? Um, Full star? No. No, Um, he's like the narrator. He comes on. Yeah. He's got a really in Like in Hamlet, there's Horatio... Who at the end is like, oh no, everyone's dead. Spoiler for Hamlet. <laughs> so yeah, there's kind of like in at the middle of the film. Well, not even in the middle, like about yeah. 40 minutes in. It's just after Act 2, which subtitle comes up saying Act 2 when it's actually the beginning of Act 3. Yeah, because there are like five acts in the original play. Yeah, there's two here, um, I think. I think they only have yeah. two. So We didn't even have like, uh, we didn't have a black screen saying Act 1, did we? Mm. So no, we, we just... didn't. So it's very odd. <laughs> it was that... Like, hang on a second. What? <laughs> um, I guess that's a kind of inter- interval over voice, and that's when I feel like it becomes a bit mm. more like funny. Not yeah. maybe intentionally funny. Mm. All the bits that I found funny mm. were probably not intentional. But there you go. <laughs> 
The guy's name was Chorus in Henry V. And yeah, it's a very uh... standard Shakespearean. Um, either you get a single character to come out and say, join us, sweet friends, and imagine this stage is a great battle. Or you yes. have two, like, guards, like in the case of Hamlet, who are just outside saying, so what do you think of recent events? Well, <laughs> yes. let me tell you this. They're like exposition part but yeah. like yeah this was there was just an over voice that yeah. was like i was just gonna say he's super american so it really stood out from the rest of the <laughs> <Yeah>. play <laughs> now he, macbeth. he was just like now macbeth is king yeah it, that was literally it it's just yeah he's king that was what he was trying to do and now he's done it so so moving on <laughs> moving um, the fuck on in terms of the rest of the play uh, sorry in terms of the rest of the film mm. uh yeah like i said it was quite straight up mm-hmm. um i thought that the scenery wasn't as like stunning as yeah. some world scenery pretty but straight it was still pretty straight yeah mm. it was like a castle and yeah some grounds and stuff so what about yeah. you did you enjoy the hallmark adaptation <laughs> of macbeth well you know i did i did enjoy it it was very much a filmed play. It was very mm-hmm. much, you know, it had those trappings. It wasn't a cinematic interpretation of of the play. And it, it leads us into an interesting question of should, <laughs> should Macbeth be adapted to screen? Which is definitely one that we should address. I mean, we could address that after we've finished. With yeah, this after podcast. we've finished, we'll talk about whether or not any of this should have been done. <laughs> because... And then delete the podcast from the internet. <laughs> And goodbye. Because, you know, it's like Robert Bresson says, the truth of theatre cannot be the truth of cinema. The thing about Macbeth and about Shakespeare in general is that it has endured because they are perfect plays. They make such perfect use of theatre. It's dialogue. And dialogue is the great weapon of theatre. It's, you know, the great thing they can use. Dialogue is actually almost even a weakness of cinema. It's a crutch. You know, in order to deliver information that you really, in a cinematic medium, should be communicating visually. Yeah, which they don't really do in this, and Not we'll really. come to that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> one thing I did notice that was different from Orson Welles mm. is that in the soliloquies in the Orson mm. Welles, they're in his head. Yep. But in this version, they are spoken out loud. So that is another element that was more theatrical. Yeah, definitely. And the whole, the the sort of lightning effects and um, kind of staging of the whole thing, it was... Um, yeah, it was very play, but that that's fine. It's quite entertaining to see that and to, um, you know, maybe this would have been the one to start on because it is such a straight adaptation. And it, um, yeah, it has made me appreciate more of Wells' invention and cinematic technique because it is difficult. There is one particular element, I'm wondering if you're going to say it as well, ah. that was cinema and oh, not yeah. film. Um, ah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Hmm... It's the, the the ghost bit at the banquet. Yes, yes, where they have the overlaid uh, effect. Um, it's, yes. What do you call it now? It's superimposition, I think. <laughs> so Banquo turns up at the... The ghost of Banquo turns yeah. up at the banquet. I've never thought <laughs> ah, that before. Oh Banquo at the banquet. And um, <laughs> and it's like a ghostly figure. It's an actual ghostly figure, whereas in the Orson yeah. Wells they don't show the ghost. He's just oh. like... Not like a... Like not like a human figure of a ghost. He's like right, more like cool. Yeah. Um, and then there's a bit where like there's a floating cup. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> and he like che- like Macbeth goes to cheers, and this floating cup is like cheers. And then there's like a bit where it's just the head of the ghost. <laughs> yes, yes. You see, so quite that a... couldn't really be achieved on a stage. Mm. No, it's unless tricky. you had him like it all in black and just his head was like ooh. 
Just a hole in the table. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can see um, John Cleese doing that. <laughs> yes, the music was therefore also functional. So, yeah, it's fairly straightforward. I think the real discussion here is to talk about it in the context of Shakespeare, because that's definitely what it tries to do. So let us move on to Fair is Foul and Foul is Fair. How close to Shakespeare are we? Well, pretty close. Pretty close. I think is the answer to that, yeah. yeah. Um, even, like probably the... even closer than Wells was. Definitely, because we're more yeah. likely to skim over stuff we don't need than to actually rearrange anything. Yeah, um, though obviously the changing of the acts was yeah. was not, not Shakespeare. And yeah. the overvoice where he says, yep. oh no, Macbeth is king, that wasn't Shakespeare. <laughs> but yeah. apart from that, I didn't... There wasn't... Oh, did I miss... Or did they yeah. cut out the second bit of the witches? Yes, right? they cut it. It wasn't there. I actually had to go back. I was like, hang on a yeah, sec. Yeah, me too. I was like, so basically there's a bit where Macbeth says, oh, um, he's like holding a piece of paper or something. And he says, yeah. and oh, pff, who's not born of a woman or something? And I was yes. like, hang on a second. What, did we see that? <laughs> and it's like he, he knew. Yeah. I think that piece of paper was like a message from the invading armies. And it was just like, oh, they're attacking or they're a report about them. And it's like, well, they're attacking, yeah. are they? Well, I'm not worried because they're, they're all of women born. And it's like, okay, so we're just like, for anyone who's not familiar with the play, that must have been very odd. Yes. <laughs> Maybe well, got... I am. Um, there is a line where he says, tomorrow I am going to go and see the Weird Sisters. Okay. But then he doesn't go and see the Weird Sisters. Yeah, or does so off screen. Very strange. So consequently, maybe they needed to get it down to a certain amount of time, and they decided yeah, to that... cut it. I don't know. Probably yet, because you would have had commercial breaks here. It's an hour and forty-three minutes as it is now. There would yeah. probably have been intervals and such. So yeah, there's every chance of programming was an issue. But what a strange scene to cut. I yeah, you would cut... think they could cut out some other other drivel. <laughs> yeah, like well, like Donald Bain and um, the other brother Malcolm discussing where they're going to flee to when there's a line in the next scene that's just oh they've gone to England and Ireland and it's like yeah well, exactly <laughs> but I, I I was waiting for more witches because mm. I was yeah. like that like you said last week it's almost like a straight up ghost story mm. and it's kind of creepy and stuff and the witches are a big part of that yeah it's interesting the ghostly elements are very much downplayed this time and it's more about the ambition and about the office you know, the actual personal desire to become king, which is which is interesting. As a result of sticking closer to Shakespeare, some things do stand out more. For one thing, that's how Macbeth becomes king. Because it's his, he's the cousin, he says worthy cousin when he's uh, met, and he is accusing both sons of having done the murder. He's right, a, yes. Of being involved, Donald Bain and um, uh, Malcolm. He accuses them of being involved. I didn't get that from Wells. It's very obvious in this particular adaptation. Mm that they are fleeing because they've been accused. Yeah, yeah, that they're afraid because there are... What, what is it now? There's something behind the smiles. Daggers and men's smiles at this stage. Yeah. Um, also, another bit um, mm. that was amazing and potentially not in Shakespeare uh-huh. was the drunk guy. Oh, what, the porter? Yeah, is that in Shakespeare where he's oh, like... Oh, gotcha. Knock, knock, knock. Who's there in the name of Beelzebub? Is a father that hanged himself on the expectation of plenty. Come inside. Have napkins an hour about you. <laughs> Here, you sweat foot. Knock, knock. Who's there in the, in, in the other devil's name? I don't know if he's usually that drunk. I will say he was Because he was really drunk. <laughs> he was my favourite character this time. Porter was really yeah. good. His kinky bits are back. 
Like yes. the whole, you know, yeah. oh, it makes you want to have sex, but it means you can't because you're drunk. I kept thinking about how Macduff is going to feel later on <laughs> that night when he's like, oh my god, my king was dead upstairs and I spent so long talking to that guy about bonus. <laughs> <laughs> what a wanker. <laughs> yeah, I was like, um, I was like, yes, this is where, this is the comedy. Yeah. This is what I came for. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have some comedic relief and it's um, it's good to give the porter a full whack at it and it it does increase the tension because you know that you know any minute now they're going to find out what Macbeth has done yeah and i don't know like i feel like it's really relatable you know times where you've done something wrong and people are still acting as if nothing's happened because they don't know any better and you're just the guilt is just building up inside of you so even though Macbeth isn't present it's like we're complicit with what he has done as spectator and so we are alien to this scene well, it's like that building of tension within film at any mm. point. You know, there's a kind of building mm. of tension and you're like, oh, you know, some someone's about to find out. Someone's about to walk in on this affair or somebody's yeah. about to like go around this corner. And it's, yeah. you know, so that's that's the, the theatre version of that. Yeah. How did you, I know this isn't a, an official segment. <laughs> but Not official, guys. So, side segment. <gasps> um, the bit where... Macduff finds out his family are dead. Ross's poker face. Yes, this Ross's is going to be. Face. This is going to be a regular segment. It was funny <laughs> this time, and also the extra line of um, "So the tyrant have not disturbed their peace." Well, they were well at peace when I left them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my god! How does my wife? Why? Well, and all my children? Well, too. The tyrant has not battered at their peace. No. They were well at peace when I did leave them. I loved it so much. I had to pause and laugh because his poker face, Ross's poker face, he's like, yes, they're well. well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah, the peace line where he's like, yeah, they're, they're definitely at peace. Mm. Peace is. Oh. Uh-oh. Um, also, Macduff is like not um, as pissed off as I would be if someone had just lied to me about my family being alive. And then it's like, actually... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's super sad about it. I think he gets punched in the Justin um in in the twenty fifteen one. Somebody gets punched. We're gonna find Why out. Were you about gonna that. say were you about to say Justin Timberlake? I was not gonna say Justin Timberlake. Uh, it should have been Justin Timberlake. I'm we... making an adaptation and I'm making Justin Timberlake. Remember? Britney Spears as Lady Macbeth. We're gonna <laughs> recast this with just pop idols. It's gonna be the best. Um... <laughs> that was gonna be awkward. <laughs> oh no, yeah, they used to be. Oh no, what have you done? But hey, what if it's a Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston situation? This is the stuff we really know about, guys. But they're friends again. They're friends again. Oh, maybe more. (gasps) Mm. Uh Friends, they're friends. Anyway. Oh Um, my God. (laughs) Brad Pitt was the worst friend. Shall we move on? (laughs) Let's move on from friends and get back to Shakespeare. And um, a couple of other observations that came as a result of this this film's, you know, focus on the dialogue, which meant some other things um, stood out to me more. Oh, like Macbeth, where um, Banquo's like, God, that was crazy, wasn't it? About those sisters saying that you're going to be a king and that I'm going to have, you know, king kids. And Macbeth just says, I think not of them. <laughs> At this point, he's been <laughs> scheming for a really long time with Macbeth about killing the king. And he's like, oh, I hadn't really thought about it. Oh, sisters? Yeah, yeah. They were weird, weren't they? I remember them. Yeah. Just about. Moving yeah. on. And then, like, there's a line where he's like, maybe we should talk about it. And Macbeth's like, yeah, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> hey, look over there. Oh, Macbeth. And then he's gone. He's yeah. just gone. 
<laughs> Interesting line, a line I'm very familiar with is where Lady Macbeth says, my hands are now, something like my hands are now as red as yours, but I shame to wear a heart so white. And I've always taken that very straightforwardly, my hands are red like yours, but my heart is not as white as yours, and I would be shamed to wear a heart so white. But there was an ambiguity in the way that this actress, um, whose name, sorry, I should have for you, is Mar- uh, Judith Anderson. Dame, Dame. Oh, Dame, yes, Dame Judith Anderson, excuse me, the great Australian actress. She delivered it in such a way that it kind of implied that maybe the white heart is hers. My hands are your Did I shame to wear a heart so white? Because she was really quite shocked as a result of coming out with blood, and it was like, my hands are now as red as yours, but I am ashamed to wear a heart so white. She might be talking about her own heart there, and it could be an early glimpse into her guilt that will eventually drive her to madness. Eventually. Though, again, we'll talk about that. Yeah, uh, it's still super abrupt because the the sleepwalking scene always kind of hit takes me by surprise. <laughs> yeah, though um, I made a note of the sleepwalking scene because I thought it was kind of creepy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I thought it was like, I was like, this is a lot creepier than the sleepwalking scene in Wells. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yes, there was a good line I liked. Every so often, Shakespeare just phrases something that is very relatable, but just so perfectly eloquent. I remember the whole speech that um, Basingstoke has in um, Bo- Basingstoke, Bolenbrook, Jesus, Basingstoke. Stop trying to put in these like London, London <laughs> names into Macbeth. Basingstoke, Bolenbrook. Though you might as well have done, seeing as oh they didn't God. do any Scottish accents in this. Not a thing. single Scottish accent. Not a but... single. Not even the the ladies, ladies, the weird sisters. Yeah, not even um, them. Yeah, not even them. <laughs> English as hell, as all Americans imagine that England is, um, or the UK is. Um, no, Bolingbroke in Richard the third, second, Richard the second. Bolingbroke has this really eloquent speech about missing home and how he's about to be banished, and you know someone's like, but think fondly of home, and he's like, the fondness of the memories are going to make it worse. And that was just mm. such a well phrased thing. And there's a similar thing here. They're going upstairs to check on the uh, the king and <laughs> check on him. Check on him. Just see that he is okay. And somebody says to Macbeth, I'm not sure who it is. It's either it's one of the people who arrive in the night. So it'll either be Malcolm or um oh the other guy who's there at that stage. And he says, I know this is a joyful trouble to you, but yes, it is one. And I just love that the idea of yeah. I know it's great to have the king here, but it's still, you know, it's a happy burden, but a burden. Yeah. That was just so well phrased and there were so many applicable instances um, I can think of like for that. What what did you think of the mm. depiction of Duncan? <sighs> Pretty unmemorable, I'd say. I mean, compared to the sort of very quiet religious figure that Wells presented us with. You know, he was keen to re- emphasize that he religious was, angle. He was more like jolly Dumbledore was, yeah. slash Father <laughs> Christmas. Yeah. Kind of thing. And I think that's fine. Like, it's fine. He's not supposed to be, like, a particularly memorable character. He's supposed to be well-liked. Yeah, a good And there was a scene where Lady Macbeth, like, bows to him and, like, Mm. kisses his hand or something. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) yeah, another line I like of... um... Yeah, uh, who is it who's come out? I think it's, um, at this stage, Macduff, who's running around screaming about the king being dead. And um... <laughs> running around screaming. He's running it. around. Screaming That's what it about says it. in the script. Macduff <laughs> runs around. Macduff and loses his shit, and um, Lady Macbeth comes up to him and and asks what's wrong, and he says, "Oh, tis not for a woman to hear, you know, lest it enter your ears, it should commit murder again or something." And then suddenly Banquo appears behind her, and without like moving away from Lady Macbeth and literally just talking over, it's just like Banquo. He's been fucking murdered, just like directly into her face. <laughs> like, 
Oh, you mustn't hear. It's too terrible. Banquo, he's dead. <laughs> Go look. It's gross. Seriously, you shouldn't. Banquo is dead. <laughs> it's just um, it's amusing how there's no effort to... And, and in the original play, Lady Macbeth has the next line. So that staging is correct. Lady Macbeth doesn't go anywhere. He just forgets it. He's just like, oh, I couldn't possibly tell the woman. Oh, there's another man. Now I'm just going to forget that you're here. I mean, that is, you know, people do only see the penises in the room. I know, right? Yeah. Oh my God. They've got penile yeah. vision. Now the penis comes in. They're like, <laughs> hey, other penis. <laughs> oh god that is exactly how the world works and especially medieval scotland um <laughs> one other observation on the play based on this adaptation um there's a little bit of sadness when banquo goes to leave and fleance is with him and it's a line goes fleance with you and basically I, for me this time it really struck me oh Macbeth wants to kill banquo as he travels and he's a little bummed that fleance is going too because he's got to get killed as well yeah, exactly. Yeah, I noticed that line too. Mm. But then again, then again, he has to kill Fleance too, right? Does he have to? I don't think he has to until he decides to join Banquo. Because Fleance right. is just a kid, like a squire or something for Banquo, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I guess so, I guess that's true. So if but, Fleance stayed, there'd be no reason to kill him. So is... I guess that that's showing how Macbeth is only doing these things. Because yeah. he wants to achieve a particular goal. Yeah. He's not like a serial killer. He's no, he's just not taking like, joy I it. just want to be safe. And that's that same that's thing it. in Orson Wells where he was clearly doing the things to make himself feel more secure. Yeah, there's a there's literally a line, you know, the position is nothing as if, if I can't be in this position safely. So yeah, yeah it is. And and that's interesting, the idea that it's it's kind of like breaking bad, you know, it's like Walter White never initially deliberately sets out to cause pain, it's just a domino effect where one murder has to lead on to another and another and another and one bad deed begets another you know so and then suddenly you're just surrounded by enemies all right so trammel up the consequence did they actually show the murder no no and it's so subtle and the acting on either side is so big you could actually miss it if you're not paying attention to the yeah dialogue. he comes back and he's like it's done yeah <laughs> and then that's it and like... then later in that scene they establish that he has bloody hands yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's easy to miss the murder in this one. Yeah, it's very, yeah, like you said, very quick. Mm. Also, like, how quick can you stab someone? Uh, me? Um. <laughs> <laughs> like, because uh, he's so quick. It's like a minute or something. Yeah, it is that. And you'd think that you'd have to, you'd have to go up the stairs, like, make sure the, the guards room, are asleep. Make Take sure the their guards daggers. are asleep. Yeah. Check that you got the dagger the right way up, like a USB stick. You have to put it in the right way up. And then you have to stab him, like, probably more than once. Yeah. And then you have to get back downstairs. That's more than a minute. Let's mm. let's test that theory. <laughs> let's do it now. <laughs> I'm going to go kill Matt, and then I'll come back. And I will time you. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to not forget the daggers. You have to forget oh. the daggers, so don't forget to forget them. <laughs> um what bloody man is that it's Macbeth. it's not actually Macbeth. i thought that line applied to Macbeth. it applies to a sergeant but i'm gonna keep it because i enjoyed that oh line. well that's the segment now so. <laughs> that is the segment what bloody man is that yes what do you think of what's his name now maurice evans as mr Macbeth? the first thing i wrote down in my notes mm. is Macbeth is kind of old <laughs> he is a little old but it's nothing it's old but that's okay because yeah. it kind of makes sense that he doesn't have like children yeah and that he's worried because he's old 
Yeah. Um, I don't know how old he's supposed to be. I don't think an age is ascribed. You once no. mentioned you mentioned last time that um, you always saw Macbeth as being a bit of a weed. Do you have like a age in mind? No, not really. Just more a little bit younger than he was in this because I kind of yeah. imagine Lady Macbeth to be kind of young and unfit, like hot. You think of ambition as being the folly of the young. Generally. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and also, like, because, like, Hamlet's a hot one, right? He's like the hot <laughs> young one. Come on, we all we all know it. So I guess Macbeth is like the not so hot one. But I mean, <laughs> I like know, Macbeth. He's I did write it. down that he was like kind of old. Um, <laughs> I thought there was a great bit when Macbeth when he he's doing the dagger speech, mm. and when he pulls out his actual dagger, it's almost like he grabs it out of thin air. Mm. He's like, this dagger I see before me and then sweeps his hand down and pulls his dagger out and you almost don't see him pull it out. So it's like yeah. it appears. And I thought that was so cool the way he did cool. that. Very dramatic. Though it wasn't as like, you know, beautiful as Orson Welles. Yeah. It was very it was very well done, that scene. I really Little liked it. Little touches, yeah. And the other thing about Macbeth is he goes mad basically yeah. straight away. He yes. kills Duncan and he goes, <laughs> in this one, he goes mad immediately. There's not much time to do otherwise, really. <laughs> yeah, I thought that yeah. was quite interesting the way, like, yeah. all of a sudden he's like, he, his regret has, like. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good angle. Yeah. What I about would... you? What did you think of Macbeth? I thought he was very much, and it's, it's, there's a potential here that he was the originator of this, but if you think of, like, an English Shakespearean performance, you are thinking probably of Maurice Evans. It's um, yes, very sort of... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, sort of friends, Romans, kind of, you know, grandiose. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage. And then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot. Full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. And he's also at some stages. <laughs> Wait, and... Romans? This is not <laughs> countrymen. That no, that's um, Julius Caesar. <laughs> yeah, no, but I agree. Um, he's he <laughs> was very Shakespearean. Yeah. He was, and he's doing stage acting, which includes you know um, not whispering, you know, not is this a dagger I yeah. see before me, but instead mm-hmm. you know is this a dagger I see before me. That kind of whisper. It's a stage whisper where you need to be yeah. talking quietly, but you can't actually speak quietly because the people at the back need to hear you. So you talk like this and it implies I'm keeping my voice down, even yeah. though I'm not, you know, and it's... Like it's, not turning your back to the audience, but like yeah. cheating it and stuff like that. He was doing all <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, which is, you know, it, it's great. It's interesting to see it on the screen this is the time of sort of elias kazan and you know marlon brando and the method is kicking in and Orson wells is of that kind of school so more subtle cinematic acting is creeping in here but it there is still there's still merit to seeing like an old-fashioned performance a theatrical performance of Macbeth. it's kind of the standard and it's good to have the standard down so that you can then recognize the variations from it yeah of course like Mm. yeah like you said it might have been good to start with this one even Mm. because then but i did think wells was was a great okay starting point but like this this is clearly like yeah like we said straight up yeah a much straighter adaptation Mm. uh the serpent under it rate that macbeth that lady macbeth and it's uh yes dame judith anderson yes i'm i written here (laughs) lady macbeth (laughs) is also kind of old but kind of fabulous like she starts (laughs) off like (laughs) 
when I saw her, I was like, she's mm. kind of fabulous. Like a kind of uh, Maggie Smith kind of yeah. fabulous character. Um, mm. Yeah, again, no Scottish accent. No Scottish accent this time. No. Um, and she... go Again, her going crazy is very mm. sudden, but there's no way to not do that. Like she, there's because yeah. there's a scene, the banquet scene, where she's yes. being all like, "Oh, don't worry, he's always like that." Yes, like um, yes. being the kind of very solid figure in the relationship. Are you a man? I am a bold one. The devil look on that which might appall the devil. Stop, stop! This is the very painting of your fear. This is the air-drawn dagger which you said led you to Duncan. Why do you make such faces when all's done? You look but on a stool. Yeah. And then she's mad. Oh, damn spot. Out, I say. Hell is murky. What need we fear? Who knows it? When none can call our power to account. Yet who would have thought the old man to have had so much blood in him? Like the next scene. (laughs) So, but she does do it quite subtly. She's kind of like, oh, I can't sleep. And then then it's the sleepwalking scene, which I thought was cool and creepy. So, Yeah. yeah, I like the lady bit, Beth, but she didn't like astound me no i would say this was a subdued lady macbeth compared yeah. to jeanette nolan there's no real highs you know to speak mm-hmm. of it's all a fairly consistent pitch which is capable but not exactly spectacular i will yeah. say it did befit slightly the journey into madness because there's this sense during the dinner scene that it's not about her anger at macbeth for losing it, losing it it's kind of a desperation there of just please, please do not become unraveled. Because if you go, I'm going to go as well. It's less a sort of, that's an empty stool, and more sort of, that's an empty stool. You know, sort of, please. Yeah. Please just snap out of this, and yeah. because I need you to be with me on this. And that Yeah. But going from befits. that to then mm. mad... Yeah. ...was a bit, like, it was... Either you need to overblow it, mm. and it'd be very sudden, or it needs to yeah. be gradual. And there was, like, like you said, it was kind of at the same pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, also, they didn't mm. show her death. No, no, they didn't. We just hear a scream and Satan says that, uh, Satan, uh, Satan. Says the, the queen is dead or whatever. Yeah, the queen is dead, yeah. yeah. Actually, I think it's the doctor who tells them that she's dead in this one, so. Mm. Yeah, but we don't get to see it at all. There's no, no. dramatic jump <laughs> into the ocean for this one. And in fact, she's <laughs> dead in her bed, so I don't know quite how she did it. Yeah, I don't know. And, uh, well, yeah. I think they probably found her. And, put her in bed. and then put her in bed, as opposed yeah. to her killing herself in the bed. Yeah, is it? It is. Cano- is it canonical that she jumps to her death? Because I know I think Ophelia. So. Ophelia jumps out of her window into a river, doesn't she? Yeah, Ophelia drowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is. It is put to pen that Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, uh, froze. I think so. I think there's some okay. screaming, and she runs into the the Scottish Highlands, yeah. and well, never to be seen again, or something. Well, there's a scream. And then he says, what is that? Uh, the screaming of women. And then later on, he sends Satan to find out and says, what was it? And it's like, Lady Macbeth is dead. So yeah. I know that much. I know that it does happen kind of off stage, if you like. But um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't, on does it matter? Staging. Not really. I guess not. No, it's just, yeah, it's it's depends upon the filmmaker as to how dramatic they want to make the suicide. Yeah, because everybody knows that Ophelia drowns, right? Yes, it's, it's well recorded in... Um, sort of painting and such yeah that but famous like painting. we don't like does it does it actually i feel like drowning is very ophelia i don't yes, know if you feel exactly. that way yeah it's like that's how she should have died or something whereas i think lady macbeth there's no like you know there's no particular way mm. 
she just goes mad and, and decides to kill herself. So. That was it, sorry. It's a Malay painting I was thinking of, of um, Ophelia drowning. Oh, gorgeous yeah, I painting. know the one you're thinking yeah. of, yeah. Yeah, really gorgeous. But there's nothing as similar that cannot, um, I don't think, that canonicizes, um, canonicizes Lady Macbeth's death. Um, maybe we should start it. Maybe I should do a painting. <laughs> you should do that painting. You should make it just, just <laughs> falling out of a window like a Monty Python cartoon. <laughs> Grim. <laughs> um yeah weirdest sister how spooky are those witches well we didn't get to see them very much not much no but no. what we saw of them i, I wouldn't I, I think they were more menacing in wells yes yes sleep shall neither night nor day hang upon his penthouse lid he shall live a man for it <laughs> uh, they, they weren't especially there was one who was clearly like the leader mm. And she was kind of spooky, but not, mm. not, I wasn't like impressed really with the witches, no. not um, which really. is a shame because they're a big part of Macbeth. They are. Yeah. yeah they're be... very, everyone knows, everyone knows the three witches. Yeah, absolutely. Because they kind of just act as a trigger for his ambition. Yeah. Because it's kind of crazy. I, I paid extra attention to it this time. The missive goes forward, and I, I have a better timeline on this now. Macbeth leaves the king and it says, oh, I'll ride home and get the beds ready and such leaves sends word ahead so someone's riding even faster than macbeth who's riding faster than the king um <laughs> maybe she sends a bird or something a crow but sends a raven and she gets this letter and it's like oh and it's everything in the letter he at some point yeah. stopped to write this letter that's like met the witches they promised this she knows <laughs> everything by the time he gets there um, i love that maybe he like i don't know <laughs> he like told it to the raven he was like, quick, Raven. <laughs> and then you've got to tell Lady Macbeth. <laughs> okay, you've got to do this. And the Raven was voiced by Paul McCartney. So, <laughs> yeah. So she learns all of this. And then he gets there. And immediately she's just like, so how do you want to kill him? <laughs> like, <it's> straight in. <laughs> straight in. She's like, hey, baby. How do you want to do this thing? She has a bit of a monologue to herself. Like, oh, he's so much of a wuss. There's no way he's going to be up for this. And yeah. then as soon as he arrives, it's just, um, you know, they never suspect us. <laughs> yeah i love it i think maybe we should at the end of this we, the last mm. podcast should be us doing Macbeth. ah just in a very modern like so how do you want to kill him <laughs> like and a sketch he, absolutely it, yeah like a sketch show <laughs> i would um, like to pull together our favorite elements so like if we could have well set and this lady Macbeth and this like impossibly yes, across time definitely. And, like, when we finished together. all of these when we finish Macbeth. <laughs> we finished you know he's got 37 plays so this could Ooh, go on for a this while this could go on and there is actually a new Macbeth coming out soon with the cut with Joel Cohen involved which is really exciting the first that film he's made exciting. apart from his brother in years wow um, what happened I know <laughs> finally it was gonna happen eventually. finally one day <laughs> um okay what's yes. next he needs not our mistrust fourth uh, sorry, third. That's fourth. Oh my god. Oh my god, they're getting third. more and more every time. <laughs> third murderer, we believe, is Satan in this one. P- That's potentially, yes. Potentially Satan, because he does show up. Very yes, crucially, he does show up. And they show the scene. They've got two murderers. Third guy shows up, and it's yep. like, oh, what are you doing here? And it's like, Macbeth sent me. Oh, that checks out. You're in. Um, yeah, very obviously shows yeah. up. Like, he's like in the center, and he's like, he doesn't come to report back later. No, it's and again very obvious. There's only those two yeah. and Macbeth. Yeah. So 
it looks like, based on our comparison of pictures, that that is in fact Satan who shows up. And I keep in saying, this version, in this version, I keep saying Satan, and it sounds like <laughs> Satan. S e y t o n. Yes, who is um, a minor character? Really, he is Macbeth's chief servant who brings him his armor when he when the armies attack, and who tells him that Mac- Lady Macbeth is dead. So, so assuming it's Satan, why do we think in this version? that Macbeth sent him was he did he yeah. get extra worried and was like do you know what? I need to send someone that's even more dedicated to me or did the third murderer have his own objectives because to do well, what why like I don't know maybe he thinks that he'll get more out of life if his his person who he's the servant to stays king mm. I don't know yeah it's very interesting but, but um, again that let's keep an eye out for other third murderers to see absolutely. if anybody else makes it that character absolutely um Mm. but satan is an interesting choice it makes sense he's a chief servant if Macbeth does just want to make sure that it is done right you know done well then um and quickly then it makes sense to just send your chief surgeon um chief person as well but um yeah i'll be curious to see if anyone makes more of it later yeah this one's somewhat functional functional right a charmed life it's time for katie's shakespeare fact my Shakespeare fact is another one that some of you may know already, but for those of you that don't, Paul, did you know that Shakespeare died on his birthday? <laughs> I did, and one of the reasons I knew that is because we went and saw Mark Kermode, and Mark Kermode announced... Yes, he did! I he spoke did. to him, and it you, was he did. He announced, oh, today is William Shakespeare's birthday, and you yelled out, and death day! <laughs> and he was like, and death day, great! And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes! Got him. He saw me and I felt the warmth of care mode. Like the time that Stuart Lee and I conversed. And when I say conversed, I heckled him. Um, (laughs) He asked what those little green things, plastic things on the end. And I was like, it's a treasury tag. And he was like, thank you. (laughs) So to sum up, this was a functional, if not particularly spectacular adaptation of Macbeth. Yes. If you were studying Macbeth, this may have been a good one to watch. It had a couple of funny moments with the floating mm. cup and the the faces which you need to go and look at and the drunk yeah. guy um but a- adaptation wise it was functional and the bit yeah. that i disliked the most i Ooh. i didn't dislike it at all i, I oh. thought it was it was good it was standard um is that they cut out the witches second yeah second part. agreed yeah yeah they, they they downplayed the witches without purpose i'd say because there's a good reason to downplay the witches if you want to make a film that is solely about his internal ambitions yes but if you're not going to do that if you're still going to have him come up with you know prophecies and be driven by them then you need to make a big deal out of the witches and make their scenes more memorable and otherworldly yes absolutely and they had ghosts they had like the literal like floating cup and everything so why not include the witches well precisely okay katie let us not be dainty in leave taking okay then (laughs) <laughs> where can people hear more of you and your stuff they can hear more of me and they can literally hear more of me on my other podcast have you ever heard of mm. which is a history podcast they can read my blog at um katie writes and they can follow me on twitter also at katie writes about what about you where can they hear me? your dulcet tones <laughs> so dulcet like <laughs> Um, we are lucky and privileged enough to be hosted by the kind uh, person at Screen Mayhem, who is um, who is uh, Matthew Whitaker, who has his own podcasts, and I am there as well doing uh, film reviews, and uh, when I'm able to see films, 
and um, also appearing on that podcast. And of course, I am the co-host of One Good Thing, um, which you can find by Googling One Good Thing and scrolling past that gardening chick who's taking up all of our SEO. Hey, that chick. <laughs> I hate her so much. <laughs> and her garden. <laughs> Especially because you don't have a garden. I know, right? What if we murdered her? And then we could usurp the crown of one good thing first. Oh my god, that could be our <laughs> Macbeth adaptation. But we go <laughs> murder Jill, Jill Goody or whatever her name is. <laughs> the, the, the gardening woman. And then we, yeah, take up her SEO. <laughs> that but might then, even, that's not even the craziest adaptation. We're going to get into some. <laughs> well, weird... no. And that brings us on to next time when. Oh, I'm next so... time. So excited about this. We are going to be reviewing Joe Macbeth, a gritty film noir gangster movie about the guard, Bard's Scottish play. Wow, that's going to be... Is this going to be the first one where it says based on? Yeah, it's going to be a based on. and there Because are going to be... the last two have been Macbeth by William Shakespeare. So yeah. I'm waiting for a based on. <laughs> based loosely on. Inspired by. Inspired by, yeah. <laughs> loosely be... inspired by. There are going to be some crazy dames. Oh no. There's going to be some uptight fellas. <laughs> and it's going to be just generally a hoot. We're going to so, be called like Fat Sam or like Big <laughs> Big Dave or like Fingers Joey. Yeah, just all sorts of <laughs> Little Joey Finger Trap. It's going to be the best. So, I look forward to it. So do I. Until then, away and mock the time with Fairest Show. False face must hide what the false heart doth know. Bye. Bye.